The information contained in this podcast is not intended as and shall not be understood or constructed as medical or health advice. The information contained in this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Welcome to Ladies Who Health, the podcast for the book smart but not always street smart health professional. This is the show where we put the spotlight on some amazing women in healthcare and attempt to answer some of those questions you didn't even know you had or you've been too scared to ask. You're joined by Melbourne dentist Caitlin and Perth physio Neve. Let's do it! God, Neve, have you seen the new Cinderella? It's got Camilla Cabello, it's got Adina Menzel, it has James Corden in it, and my favourite comedian in the world, James A. Caster. And Billy Porter. Uh, no, I haven't seen it yet. Is it out? So I was very prepared to hate on this movie because it looked ridiculous. Dresses by Ella. No. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. And I had a really big week. And on Saturday, all I wanted to do was just watch something, you know, simple, not well, did, too complicated. Did you really feel like the what you needed, though, was, like, too hot to handle? Pure trash that we watched together. <laughs> I mean, no, because I feel like that would have just, like, that's not what my soul Fair needed. Enough. Like, I needed Fair something a yeah. little bit like wholesome. Anyway, I watched it full on expecting it to be completely cringeworthy. And I have to say, I loved it so much really um i wasn't expecting this i was purely watching it because james a caster was in it and so was adina menzel yeah. uh and it was actually funny because i was like we don't need another cinderella no like it's been so overdone I, like I, i'm over cinderella also she's not a good story to begin with there's been so many remakes like we've got hillary duff we've got a selena gomez probably we've got that um Ella Enchanted, definitely the best one. Bef- oh, like, the girl from oh, Pretty Little Lies. Ella Enchanted is in its own realm, but also Ella Enchanted isn't Cinderella. Uh, yes, it is. It's got bits of Cinderella. She's literally Ella. Cinder, Ella. No, she, she's got, she's got, no. She it's modified Cinderella. Thing. It's still Cinderella. It's not. It's still Cinderella. No. Ever After, that's a good one too. Oh, Ever After is the pinnacle of Cinderella stories absolutely so you know there are plenty of Cinderella actually live action Cinderella with Lily James in it also just because I love Lily James yeah it's it's nice but also we just we don't need more Cinderella's except this one was actually good I'd probably rank it number two out of all the Cinderella's so first being Ella Enchanted for me and then Mm -hmm. this one is the second and then the live action Cinderella is the third. Oh, actually, no. Ever After is third. Wow, Ever After is third. Oh my goodness. It must be really good then because Ever After is. I mean, watch it and then let me know what you think. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I'll get back to yeah. you. I'll get back to you. Um, speaking of Lily James, I so this week I've had a really bad week, but I've been comparing myself <laughs> to Lily James because. I'm like, oh my god, Lily James and I are the same person. Because you know how she wore that beautiful dress in that um, big ballroom scene? Um, and her waist was so tiny, like it was the same size as her neck, and there was a lot of backlash about that, about, you know... Are you trying to flex on the fact that your waist is the same size as your neck? No, no, absolutely not. Like, my waist has gotten bigger, it's, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. No, no, but she had to go on, like, a liquid diet to fit oh. into that dress. And this week, I have been on a liquid diet, not for <laughs> wanting to do it, um, but I have had really bad jaw pain this last week, and I haven't mm. been able to speak 
um, been able to chew, like it hurts to swallow. So I've got TMJ pain, which if you don't know what that is, go back to episode one. Because we talk about it. So I manifested it. Did you eat a stacker burger? How did you do it? So I grind my teeth a lot and I've got really bad posture and I think just over time my joint has just flared up and just gone really, really bad. It's happened once to me before, but I was like, oh my God, Lily James and I are the same. We're on a liquid diet. I'm just not fitting into a beautiful blue dress. So I've already been thinking about Lily James this week. Well, firstly, Neve, I would like to just offer my appreciation for you actually doing this podcast this week because I know (laughs) how much pain you are in at the moment and you are going through a pretty bad time. So I very much appreciate appreciate it um um secondly i have a question for you (laughs) have you been blending your food or have you just been having liquids like soups um shakes smoothies or is it like oh i wanted to have curry for dinner so i'm gonna blend (laughs) that up and put in my vitamix uh not spawn and drink that um absolutely <laughs> not like i want a veggie bite sandwich i'll just put it in the nutribullet yeah why not um <laughs> not sponsored we have no sponsors except i mean but if you want to sponsor us uh our instagram is at ladies who help and our email <laughs> and our personal number um <laughs> for me beat me if you want to be <laughs> oh no don't laugh too much your jaw <laughs> i know it really hurts <laughs> stop making me oh. smile um Okay, we're going to have a very serious episode today. No laughing, no smiling. (laughs) Good luck with that. Yeah, I can't commit to that. No, I've just been making lots of soups and smoothies. So right now I have my breakfast smoothie because I can't chew. So I'm trying to think of it like a sprained ankle. Right now it's really inflamed. I need to take away the aggravating factors of, you know, when you have a sprained ankle, you try not to weight bear on it for a bit or you start weight bearing again, but you don't do the activities that hurt it. It's actually very easy to be a physio. Someone comes in and they go, Oh, it hurts when I do this thing. Like, well, don't, <laughs> don't do that. that. <laughs> so you have to take your own advice now. Do as you say and as you do. I am a terrible patient when I'm the physio. Like, I'm a very good patient when someone else is the physio, but I do not listen to myself. So I'm having to be really strict. Yeah, so I'm trying to, like, get it back to normal again, but it's still really inflamed. So I'm talking again, but it definitely does hurt, particularly when I do big, like, A or O sounds. So, um, no AOs today. <laughs> no. <laughs> Caitlin, I will leave that job up to you today. <laughs> I have a funny-ish story, I should say, that's happened to me this week. Uh, so me. I don't know if it's funny just because I'm in lockdown and I have limited human interaction or if this is truly funny. So I guess you guys uh, will be the ones to decide. But Is it lockdown funny or is it real funny? Uh, so you can judge this because you're not in lockdown. But I, um, mm-hmm. I am still seeing patients and they're coming in and I've had a lot of people come in with gum disease recently. And so I've been doing my little like uh, oral hygiene spiel a little bit more than usual. And so with that, I, you know, talk about flossing. Of course, <laughs> I talk about interdental brushes. I talk about toothbrushing and toothpaste and what to use and I often recommend an electric toothbrush because I, in my personal and professional opinion, think that it does a better job. Uh, it's more thorough. You don't have to do as much work yourself. I always liken it to like vacuuming versus sweeping. Like they both get the job done, but one is just easier, requires less work on your behalf and does a better job. And so I had a patient ask me like, oh, like sort of 
electric toothbrush do you recommend they're all pretty much the same you can get them from Safeway or Coles sorry what's Safeway sorry <laughs> for all you non-Victorians Safeway is um, just for anyone in Australia all right, yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> um Safeway is all worse but um, at Safeway or Coles, you can get them pretty good, decent electric toothbrushes for about like 30 or $40 when they come on half price, which they do really regularly. So that's where I point a lot of people. And they're usually Oral-B ones. And so my patient was like, are you Rob? What? And I was like, who's Rob? Like, quite clearly Caitlin. I don't know. So basically she was referencing this ad from like the 90s, which I think they've done reruns of. And she's like, this man is a dentist, so we can't show you his face on television. Morning, Rob. And then he like waves and you can only see it's like, muscly chiseled back and, <laughs> and like the mirror <laughs> and then they go um what sort of to- uh, toothbrush does it does a dentist use and then they're like okay rob show us and, and rob just like puts his hand up and it'll be like an oral b toothbrush is like preferred and used by three times as many dentists and then it's like oral b the the toothbrush more dentists use and she's like so is it is it the toothbrush more dentists use and i was like well i don't know if it's the toothbrush more dentists use but i use it and then i was like oh actually in my first year of uni, the rep came to see us and gave everyone in our year like a really fancy electric toothbrush. And then I was like, oh, am I sponsored by Oral-B? <laughs> this one is sponsored. No, it's not. Um, that is such a good marketing technique. It is. And then that made me feel like, oh, how come my back isn't used on television? No, I think you've got a beautiful back, Caitlin. I don't know. They're fools. They're fools. Um but I imagine you build brand loyalty. It's kind of like Dolomites. And, like, think about how many people you know that still have a Dolomites mm. account, even though it does nothing for you because you just – it was your first bank account, so you're loyal to it. So I kind of feel like that's what they were going for. Uh, but also, basically, all electric toothbrushes are good and fine to use as long as they have an oscillating head. Just be careful you're not getting one. So even Colgate have just, like, vibrating heads. <laughs> oh, there you go. You have convinced me to go out and buy a electric toothbrush. How have I not already convinced you of this? Because we've never talked about this. You just really focus on my flossing habits, which, yeah. Moving on, let's not talk about my flossing habits. Um, Caitlin, <laughs> another week, another couple of weeks of lockdown. How are you doing? What have you been up to? What new hobbies this week? Uh, yeah, glad you've asked because this is uh, obviously a longer lockdown. I have picked up some new hobbies. Mm-hmm. I've gotten a pottery wheel. Um, that I've hired from a local little ceramic studio, which is closed as a result of lockdown. Mm -hmm. And so they delivered it to my house. And the the fantasy that I had in my head was that I would make all these gorgeous little bowls and pots and stuff like that. Reality is that I've used it once. (laughs) I made a little tiny pot and a very symmetrical bowl, actually, and I was very excited about that. But I have not touched it since. I love that. I, I mean, my only fantasy for pottery wheels would be, like, the scene from Ghost, that very, very <laughs> famous scene. Just... Uh, I mean, it's one of those things that I thought I would be better at because I was like, oh, I've got, like, little, you know, fine motor skills. Yeah, from, your dental dentistry. skills should help yeah. you with this. Um, it, it doesn't. Oh, <laughs> it no. doesn't. It very much doesn't. <laughs> Um, and I'm, I'm just sitting there frustrated watching like YouTube tutorials on my phone in front of the pottery wheel, like just being like, why, why doesn't it look like it does in that video? This is so frustrating. Oh, no. Um, um, but yeah. And the other thing I have been doing is dusted off the old pasta maker. Ah, lovely which... dusty pasta. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Buonissimo. Just like a mama, mama your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. So 
I made uh, some homemade pasta, cooked it up, and yeah, it was fantastic. Delicious! That sounds so lovely. It also sounds very wholesome and definitely the things that I think you'd do in like a um like a Hallmark movie or you know like you know just the epitome of life oh yes making pasta and oh just doing some pottery on my average Sunday you know like very very um picturesque just lockdown things lockdown <laughs> things absolutely making yeah. the best out so, of lockdown pretty much yeah pretty much that's great well Caitlin what medical news do you have this week for us. So, Neve, my news story this week is actually about a horse. A horse. A horse. And I know that this is ladies who help yeah. and not horses who help. Yeah. But stick with me. Okay. okay. So this two-year-old horse mm-hmm. had this swelling on its jaw mm-hmm. and its owner noticed, brought it in for a checkup with the vet. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything looked normal yeah. inside. Yeah. Nothing sort, of, nothing sort of crazy except for this swelling. So they took some x-rays. Which is why, you know, when sometimes patients come in for a checkup and, you know, you look around the mouth and you go, oh, yeah, everything looks fine, but I think we need to take some x-rays just to just to screen for tooth decay or to look mm-hmm. for anything going on inside mm-hmm. the bone uh, in the ligament. And they go, oh, why can't you just, like, can't you just see it from your checkup? And you're like, well, no, because I can't see in between the two. Because I actually don't or, have x-ray vision. Yeah, because I don't have x-ray vision. It would be yeah. so helpful if oh. I did actually... Can I change my superpower? Oh, yes. <laughs> Caitlin. Because that would save me so much time and so mm-hmm. much radiation exposure. Mm-hmm. That is a callback to episode two for all you loyal listeners. Also, I say I wish I had exovision almost every day. And like yet we, that didn't come up. I don't know how that come didn't up. come up. I think it's because food really is very important to me. And I think that's because I'm really locked down right now. And yeah. <laughs> Like we said, it's time sensitive. It's situational, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, back, anyway to back to me having x-ray vision. Um, no, back x-rays. to the horse. <laughs> back to the horse. The other oh, tangent. Back no. to the horse's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, back to the horse and the horse's mouth. They took x-rays and it's only when they took x-rays that they were able to see that there was like a lump in the jaw uh, which showed like lots of <laughs> radiopaque things. So um, things that showed up white okay. in the x-ray. Like, like a bone. Similar to bone. Anyway, so the horse uh, went into surgery and some bone was removed in his lower jaw, slash mandible, uh, and it revealed, wait for this, Neve, okay. 288 unattached tooth roots. What? Wait, tooth roots? What? What are tooth roots? Tooth roots. So wait, tooth roots. tooth roots are a good thing though, right? Uh, not 288 of them no. when horses usually have about 40 teeth. <laughs> oh, yeah. So had, Big difference. Wait, 288 extra teeth. Uh, yeah, kind of. Like, just, what? they'd be smaller, though. They wouldn't be full okay. size. Oh. Um, so they oh. were removed um, with no damage to the mouth, and the horse is healthy and well, so that's good. really, really good. Happy horse, um, happy life. But the diagnosis is uh, it's compound odontoma, which is basically a benign tumour of a dental origin. It's really, really rare. It can happen in young horses, but it also can happen in humans. What? So, no. I know. So the highest number of teeth in a compound odontoma removed in a human was in a seven-year-old boy. And knowing that there are 32 adult teeth and 20 uh, baby teeth, Neve, how many teeth do you think were in this seven-year-old okay. boy's So odontoma? Okay, so if horsey, horsey boy got um, 288, oh, maybe 100? 
526. No! What? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? They're not full teeth. They're, <laughs> and they're usually just in the bone. Um, sometimes they erupt into the mouth, but usually they're found like in, in the jaw. But it's... I've never seen one in person. Um, I mean, I want to see one. That sounds amazing. We will put some pictures in the show notes. <laughs> I don't know if you want to see Oh, my this. God, please do. Oh, my goodness, please do. Well, thank you so much for that story, Caitlin. That was um, very unnerving. I hope that it doesn't give you nightmares. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, I can tell she's trying to do a pun. What is she? Oh, <laughs> Okay, so we're up to the part of the episode where we get to put the spotlight on an amazing, wonderful woman working in healthcare. And this week, we have got the amazing OT, Sam, who is um, our dear friend. We met her in Warrnambool, which was super, super fun um, and a really fun time. She's my old housemate as well. So thank you, Sam, for letting us interview you and ask you all these questions. She was amazing. And Caitlin, do you now know what an OT is? Absolutely. Thank you, Sam, for that wonderful explanation. She gives a really good answer of what an OT is. She also specialises more in like mental health, intellectual disability um, kind of area, uh, which she goes into. So um, have a listen. Sam, say hello to the lovely fans, listeners of Ladies Who Health. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. <laughs> Anytime, mate. Welcome. We start. So basically what we're going to do here is we're just going to ask you lots of questions about your career, about your life, lots of different things. Please ignore the mess in my room. Um, we are both here in lovely Perth and unfortunately, poor Caitlin is still in lockdown, but we are thinking of you and it's fun to all be here doing this interview together to see you. So we're going to start with a quick fire five. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, go. All right, Sam, what is your most used emoji? Oh, probably the laughing, crying face. (laughs) I found out the other day that that's like a chuggy sign. Yeah, it's chuggy. It means that you're you're old. You're basically over the hill. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, that's embarrassing. (laughs) Welcome to being a millennial. Gen Z used that skull emoji, um, as in something is so funny that, haha, they're dead. Oh, I dislike that. I, I I really just like skulls. They make me sad. The patterns are too ingrained now. It's automatic. I can't change it. <laughs> it's also at that top-liked emoji position. You just got to... You'll have to accept that you're chuggy. Yeah, just ex- yeah, accept you're chuggy. <laughs> Here we are. All right. All right. Anyway, how do you explain your job to people when they don't know what you do? Um, as an OT, I work with people to be able to do the things they want and need to do in their daily life. Love that because the never any question that we've had on Ladies Who Health is what is an OT? So like nailed it in one. We can finish the podcast, Caitlin. We're done. We're done. This is it. It's all you needed to know. Guys, this is it. We can retire now. <laughs> this is the end of the career. Like we found out what an OT does. This is this is No, amazing. we want to know more. 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 Okay. Well, I want to know, uh, Sambo, what is the last book that you read? Oh, it was called A Thousand Splendid Sons. Cannot remember the author. Apologies to the author. Um, But it was a a story of an Afghan young woman, and it ties in with another Afghan young woman. And I read it considering what's going on in the world right now. And it was actually a really lovely story, but I also learned a lot. Well, there you go. If you weren't an OT, what would you have been? Ooh, it's a tough one. Potentially a doctor, potentially a psychologist. So still in the world of health. You yeah. just we can't get rid of you. No. Which is what we want. We want people who are passionate about what they do in the world of health. Absolutely. Yes. 
Sambo, what is your hidden talent or a skill that you have learned during a lockdown? Oh, um, I can now read two to three books a week, which is a great <laughs> skill I've learned in lockdown. That's very impressive. Are you like a speed reader? <laughs> I think I just spend a lot of time reading. I don't do anything else but read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a special like cognitive skill of reading. I think it's just me being obsessed with spending all my time reading. So even though you're in Perth and, you know, we've got some freedoms, you're still living life like you're in lockdown. Absolutely. Some weekends you wouldn't know I wasn't in lockdown. <laughs> Is this really sympathetic on behalf of our Melbourne friends? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Sambo. Can we trade places? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for all those listeners, we did introduce Sam as Sam, but we keep calling her Sambo. And that's because the three of us, one of our first introductory meetings to each other was we were at a um, box fit class where we had this real Oka um, uh, trainer who gave us all nicknames and he called Caitlin Cody, but it was really a Cody, like it was really buff. Yeah. Me you got to get that really guttural like Cody. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it'd be like across the room being like, punch on a Cody. And then yeah, I can see I was, stop slacking off. Exactly. And we'd be like, I'm tired. Um, I was <laughs> Nevi Neve and the one that really stuck was Sambo. We just thought it was so funny. Sambo. Sambo. And now everyone in my family calls Sam Sambo. So, Sam, a question that we always ask on Ladies Who Health, years ago there was that meme that came out with all the different pictures about a profession, like what your friends think you do, what your family think you do, and now just to make sure, you you are an OT, but you're more specialised in that, you are a mental health OT, is yes. that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, I also work with people with intellectual disability and neurodevelopmental disability, but predominantly mental health is my area of expertise, you could call it. So, what do your friends and family think you do? What do your patients think you do? And what do you actually do? Oh, I think my friends and family think I either help people get jobs or weave baskets. Have you weaved many a basket in your time? I never weaved a basket. It is a very <laughs> not accurate description of OT. Um, although I actually embrace it because the idea behind it was that it was around engaging people in something that is creative. It requires use of different skills like cognitive skills, hand skills, um, making something that's meaningful to people. So I can understand why that myth has been, you know, perpetuated, but we don't actually do that. Mm, yeah. um, I think patients think I wave a magic wand. Yeah. They think I just run around with a wand all day and fix their lives. And what was the third one? And what do you actually do? Oh, what do I actually do? Um, I work with people to help them do the things they want to be able to do in their lives. So I do a lot of work around daily routines, helping people get back to the things they used to do. Um, and mental health issues might have impacted them from doing those things. Mm. Or maybe they never learnt those life skills in the first place. So I work with them to develop those life skills and be more independent. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Sambo, do you ever use any of these work skills out of work? For example, on yourself, your friends, your family, maybe your boyfriend? <laughs> well, you guys know my boyfriend and he is not a fixer-upper. No. Um, not at all. He's very um together human being. Yeah, he's super great. Um, I do actually teach him cooking skills. So he's yes. a bit of the old work stuff home with that. Sam's boyfriend used to come over and I'd see him in the kitchen sometimes and I'd just like I'd just have to walk away because it would just stress me out so much <laughs> seeing him in there um yeah no. He does not follow the role of cuisines and recipes. <laughs> oh no it's so stressful. What sort of um conditions do you work with like in your job? Yeah so mostly severe mental illness. I'm currently working in the disability sector so that is often people with um, diagnoses like schizophrenia, 
bipolar affective disorder depression that's really severe and affects people's lives quite in, a, in quite a permanent mm. way. Severe anxiety, personality disorders, but also intellectual and uh, neurodevelopmental disabilities like autism, intellectual disability. I have a serious question for you. Mm. Is it schizophrenia or schizophrenia? Oh, I think it depends on where you're from. Schizophrenia <laughs> okay. in Australia. Okay, schizophrenia in Australia. Mm. Okay, all right, and now I know what to say. That's good. I don't actually know that. I said it with conviction. Say anything with confidence and people yeah, will believe it's basically all we do on this podcast. Sambo, that's really amazing. What brought you into the field of OT? What made you want to become an OT? And I guess what has made you decide to specialise in mental health? Yeah, so I always wanted to work in health um, and I wasn't sure which profession to kind of go with when I was leaving um, high school. Do you know how you're meant to do sport on Fridays in high school? Oh, and I, never I was did. not a fan of <laughs> team sports. So instead of doing that, we had an opportunity to do volunteering at a special school. And I got to do that. And it was a really great experience. I loved working with the others who had a disability. We played soccer. We did all these fun things. So I think I was really passionate about working in disability after that. Um, and I learned about OT. And I think the thing I liked about OT was how diverse it was. You know, I knew I could work in hospitals. I could... I work in mental health, I could work in a prison, I could work in um, aged care, like it was just so diverse that I thought this will this will suit. Okay, Sambo, I actually still need you to break it down for me because, for example, I went and I saw a hand OT, like a hand specialist OT, and I feel like that that's quite different to what you do. I mean, are there different types of OTs? How many different types are there? Please enlighten us because I'm still a little bit confused. I mean, the listeners are still a little bit confused. Well, just for the listeners. So OTs work with people around their daily activities. That's our key thing, right? Occupations, that's the fancy word. Really, it's like daily activities. Um, We're interested in how you occupy your time. So what we're interested in is the actual activity. Um, We can work with people and they're the person that kind of is doing the activity. So some OTs actually work around those person factors. So that real biomechanical um, approach, that's where you might see a hand therapist. If you've got a specific hand injury that's impacting your day-to-day life, sometimes you see a um, a hand therapist for that who can actually be an OT or a physio. Um, hmm. Some OTs work with the environment because the environment impacts what you do. So some OTs might modify people's homes by putting in um, different landscaping options (laughs) Um, they might put in grab rails they might um, change people's environment so they can do what they need to do or they might um, help people have some assistive technology or equipment so that they can do the things they do Um, other OTs like in mental health it's a little bit more kind of broad than that you know mental health conditions impact what people do day to day Um, so we might use a variety of different strategies so it might be um, learning based strategies where people learn some specific life skills Um, We might need to adapt how people learn those skills because they've got cognitive impairments. So um, sometimes we work and we give people visual recipes and we teach them new ways of um, learning to cook so that they can actually do that cooking independently. That's such a better way to look at it than I feel like some of the ways we look at it at maybe the previous workplaces I've worked at of OT is all the things that the other health professions don't want to do. So we just handball to the OT. Um, And that's a way better way to look at it because I now more understand the OTs that I do work with. Yeah, that's 
such a better way to put it. So I'm sorry, OTs, for handling things I don't want to do. Actually, it's all about function and yes. the occupations that you want to be able to do. It is exactly it. I think that what I was really saying was this thing called person, environment, occupation. That's what mm. we look at. So um, that kind of breaks it down. Um, but yeah, I think it's a bee in everyone's bonnet that no one knows what we do because um, <laughs> it doesn't feel that hard when you do it day to day. Um, Sambo, thank you for that. That was actually super clear and I actually feel like I know what an OT does now. I mean, the audience knows what an OT does now. Of course, the audience, obviously. I guess my question to you, Sambo, is what is your favourite sort of diagnoses to work with in your job? Like you've had lots of different contexts for your workplaces, but what's your favourite to really get your get your health hands into? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so far I've worked mostly in mental health as an OT um, and I've worked in a prison, I've worked in mental health units, I've worked in um, the community where people are living in their homes, but they need a lot of support. Um, favorite diagnoses are people with really complex conditions that really impact um, their life skills because I think OTs have so much they can offer. Um, so often that looks like dual disability like schizophrenia and intellectual disability or autism and a mental health condition. So you really like the really complex, like the ones that are really hard to work yeah. with, like given to me. Really complex ones. Yeah. Like, yes, I will work with this <laughs> even if they've like never worked with someone before and they've never been willing to do therapy, I'm going to do it. That sounds really hard. It is hard. Yeah. Do you enjoy it? Like... I do, yeah. I love my job. Um, you know, every, every job has its challenges at times, but I think I get so much meaning out of my job um, and a lot of sense of purpose. So I think um, that's what keeps me going. That's awesome. Sambo, our podcast has a bit of a women in healthcare focus. And so I guess my question was, how has being a female impacted you within your profession and within your workplace, both positives and negatives, if you've got them? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think women are often drawn to caring roles. And there's been times where I've wished that that wasn't me and that I could be one of those powerful women business CEOs. But it's just not me. I do like working with people who've got struggles. So I think that that kind of struggle between who you really want to be is this powerful woman and then kind of being someone who is that really caring, nurturing person, that can kind of be hard. Um, I also think, you know, as someone who's an OT, who um, sometimes our profession's not that well known, um, as we've talked about, mm. or um, actually I do find it's really quite valued, especially in mental health, but um, you're often working with male doctors. Um, and sometimes you're clearly not listened to, you're ignored in the room, um, they might just speak over you. Um, and I'm not really someone where people speak over me, you know, I'm quite loud and I'm outgoing <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not afraid to tell people what I think. Um, but that can be really difficult. Um, I think as well, also being a female in a male prison was a really interesting experience. Mm. Um, different to what you'd expect, I think. Um, in prison, actually, a lot of um, the prisoners had this real... Um, culture of respect towards the female workers um, really yeah it was quite interesting they would kind of be overly polite to you always hold the door and like oh miss miss let me help let me carry that um so that was kind of an interesting dynamic as well yeah <laughs> oh it's so interesting so OT is a pretty female dominated workforce and it's the same with physio but even more so in OT like it's so rare to come across a male OT um what like what either what advice would you give to male OTs out there or have you worked with any amazing male OTs? I have worked with a lot of amazing male OTs. Interestingly, they're often in the positions of power. <gasps> no um, way! Yeah, so often you'll find the male OTs are your managers <gasps> um, or your team leaders. Yeah, 
So it plays oh. out in every area, even though it's less often. Um, so look, I think I would, I would encourage males to kind of let themselves be a bit vulnerable in choosing their profession. Mm. I think sometimes, um, you know, men feel probably feel this pressure to um, do something that sounds really kind of masculine and, you know, like a doctor, you know, something that's going to earn a lot of money and is a super well-known profession. And I think professions like OT where um, actually if you're not in the health field, you often don't know what um, we do. Mm. But once you're in here, we do some amazing stuff and we work in so many areas and the opportunities are so broad in OT. Absolutely. Um, Like I've got friends that do, you know, so many amazing different jobs that look really different to mine. Um, so I'd encourage men to kind of give it a go, you know, reach out to people who you know work in this profession or people you know of people. Um, and you know, you could always shadow people or, you know, chat to them, before, you know, if you're at the point of deciding what uni degree you're going to do, I think it would be really helpful to do that. Absolutely. I mean, it's great to have such a female led and driven workforce and environment, particularly in OT. And there's also benefit in it being more equal and even. Absolutely. Um, and diversity in the perspectives exactly. that we bring and life experiences we bring to our jobs. You know, that impacts how we um, go about our day-to-day work. Um, and if we've got people who've got those diverse experiences, whether it's male, whether it's um, people of colour or various backgrounds, I think it's super valuable to have. Absolutely. Samo, is there a reason why we see male OTs being, you know, the, the team leader or the head head OT? Why is Look, that? I mean, I think it's not always the case. We can't generalise, but, you know, you do often see um, men in positions of leadership, even in healthcare, where it's female-dominated. I think it's been really interesting watching my friends who are female healthcare professionals um, struggle to salary negotiate or um, not feel ready to go for positions, um, which they're actually super qualified for. Um, and I've often been someone who's actually just gone for those positions. Sam's, um, Sam's got real big dick energy. I, I guess, I, I mean, I've always been a bit of a go-getter. Um, I've always been a bit like that, even before I was a OT. Um, but yeah, there's been positions that I kind of had come up at a really good time and I thought I really wasn't qualified for, but I'd go for it anyway and I ended up getting them and they were amazing opportunities and I'm so glad I went for it and said yes and mm. took the risk. And, like, I'm so jealous of your, like, ability to do that. It's incredible. Like, it's so wonderful to see. Yeah, I think it's just, um, you know, confidence in what I'm hoping to learn. I think, you know, you go for a position and you're not sure if you can actually demonstrate those skills yet, but you have some confidence that you can learn them and then do it. Mm. Um, And, you know, I think it's being willing to kind of take that risk and, um, you know, get knocked back if you don't get the job or... um, deal with the stress if you do get it. I think knowing your worth and knowing the value you bring is so important. Um, and in this really um, busy, profit-driven um, healthcare system that we increasingly find ourselves in, I think it's so important um, we know our worth and we are able to um, say, actually, no, I'm worth more than this and um, go work somewhere else or go aim for that position above or whatever it is that works for you. But I think it all starts with knowing what you're worth. Sam, mm. as your ex-housemate, I have first-hand experience of you coming home and telling the most amazing stories about your work and, like, the people you've worked with. Um, but I think one of the things that really stood out to me was particularly when you were working in the prison and you'd come home and you'd tell these stories and you'd be like, oh, my darlings. You just, you love, you have such passion for what you do and the people you work with. Yeah. But have you had, like... 
an interesting encounter, awkward, funny. Like, can you tell? Can you tell us just can, tell us a story, Sam? Oh, so <laughs> many. Just yesterday, I had a client tell me one of his goals was to learn to manage his emotions and his electrons. <laughs> <laughs> so you just some of the stuff that I hear day to day, you know, it's it's pure god. <laughs> um, bless. But no, one of the stories I had was when I was working in a prison and I had a client, he was a young man and I really liked working with this guy, but he was so unpredictable. And we were running a cooking group and I ran a lot of these at the time. And I loved running them because people learned so many amazing skills from running a cooking group. Um, There was about six guys in the room, you know, I'm in a prison, they're all prisoners with mental health issues. And I have this client and he's got this jar and he keeps filling it up with water and I kind of turn my back and look away and out of the corner of my eye, I see him fill it with detergent. And then I see him shake it and drink it. And then he vomits it across the floor, all across the floor of my cooking group. So I've got these six other guys who I've kind of got to shepherd out of the room and bring one back in so he can mop it all up. It was, it was a time. But we still actually made our tacos. We got there. Did he eat the tacos or was he too full on bubbles? I had to kind of help him wash his face and, you know, get the vomit out. Um, oh. But after that, he did eat his tacos and apparently they were delicious. <laughs> Very much an oh, my darling. Yes. Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, no. Um, afterwards, did he tell you that he didn't want to talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> Kaylin is an amazing co-host, yeah. but she really does all the she's pun heavy so lifting. She's She's a smart lass. I'm not witty enough for puns, I'm sorry. No, I really think I'm funnier than I am and then no one laughs and I just... Um, so Sambo, I guess our final question is, we just, like, it's always good to kind of, we want people to walk away with something, something that they learned or something that they, we want people to take away when they go see their health professionals. Mm-hmm. So what's one thing that you want people to know about OTs? Like, what is something that... You know, so for Caitlin, it was floss. For me, it was we're not sadists. Um, so is there is there anything that you want people to know about OTs to support them in their future engagements with OT or um, to support them in their daily life? Like anything that you feel you want people to know? Ooh. Um, I think OTs are really interested in your daily activities and your daily routines. So as an OT... Um, that's something that we focus on and I think I encourage all OTs to focus on that because sometimes we do get a bit pushed by hospital settings or other, um, you know, job requirements where you kind of lose that focus. Um, but also for someone, if you are having difficulties doing the daily activities you want to be able to do, an OT might be the right person to help. Nice. Awesome. Sam, thank you so much for coming on Ladies Who Health. This has been an absolute joy. Thanks for being our first actual guest who isn't us it feels a privilege <laughs> it, it is um, <laughs> um and thank you so much and just to take us out caitlin do you want to tell people how they can help support us yeah so the best way to support our podcast is if you can like us on the streaming platform that you listen to us on so spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts. <laughs> uh, if you have time or have the inclination to do so please uh, give us five stars or give us a review that would be super super helpful in getting the algorithm out to find other people that might like a little pod like ours now, Sambo, I also want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm actually super jealous because you and Neve are having a bit of a Prosecco together right now, whereas I'm just in my house all alone. 
But yeah, feel free to follow us on our Instagram account at Ladies Who Health. Uh, and feel free to interact with us there, send us messages, like the memes that I so artfully make on the internet <laughs> while I'm in lockdown. Um, I think that's pretty much it, though. Best way to support us is by word of mouth. So if you liked us, tell your friends. If you didn't like us, tell your enemies. Um, and we look forward to being back in your ears at some time soon when we can figure out when to interview more people. Okay, thanks. Bye.